What's up guys? We got a special video for you today. I'm joined by the lovely Carla and we're going to show you what do you do when you have a girl back at your place? How do you escalate and make sexy time happen? Or does she seem like she's into it? And then you might take your hand and just see how she reacts to choking. Welcome to the Father's Stage. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you so much for being with me. A quick, a quick reminder that the Father's Stage is on subscribestar.com. So click the link in the video description to support our work. And thank you, folks. Very interesting guest today. I have with me Alex from the Plan With Fire uh, YouTube channel. He is a sex and dating coach. Alice, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. Yeah, I totally do. Uh, before I get into what you do, first I want to say to you, happy White History Month. <laughs> how, how does that go? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that July is White History Month? No, I did not. Yeah. Uh, we started White History uh July as White History Month four years ago, so we're now celebrating our fifth year. And uh, I started it because I noticed that they're celebrating every uh, history but white history. Mm. And it, if it wasn't for white, white, uh, white folks, there would be no America. And they, they want to erase white history and replace it with junk. And that's not good for America. And plus, July just feels white. Uh, Doesn't July just feels white? Yeah, kind of, I guess. You got like July 4th and shit, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like when you think of someone eating a hot dog and lighting off fireworks, you think of like kind of like a chubby white guy. So yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. <laughs> That's right. So happy white history, Mary. You're white, right? Uh, yeah, well, I'm 1% Middle Eastern, I guess, when I did my 23andMe test. But uh, yeah, I'm like 98% white, I guess. Right on. So, well, happy white history, Mary. In July, you have 4th of July. You have vacation in time, reflection on how much we appreciate the country. And it just feels like the right time to do that. Right, I'll take it. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for the holiday. <laughs> so um, how did you become a sex and dating coach? What made you decide to get into that? Um, I struggled a lot when I was younger to meet girls. I, uh, yeah, it was a really big struggle for me. So, um, I don't know. I, I felt like there's a complete lack of good information out there for young men about how to go about meeting women. And, um, yeah, so I want to be part of the, uh, the solution to that problem. Give me an example of the struggle when you were younger meeting girl. What was the struggle? Can you describe it? Yeah, I mean, I would go out my freshman year of college, I would go out to party after party and I would try to talk to girls and I would just always fail over and over again. And I would have to like heavily rely on alcohol because I was really nervous talking to like a cute girl. So I would have to drink a lot. And then, you know, when you <laughs> drink a lot, you get like a little sloppy. Uh, so it just became this like bad cycle because I couldn't really talk to girls unless I was drinking. But if I was drinking too much, then I couldn't really talk to girls well. Um, so, yeah, I just spent my whole freshman year going out to party after party trying to meet girls because I thought that, you know, that where would you meet a girl? You meet her at a party, right? Where else would you meet her? Um, so that's like one example. I mean, there's many. I had uh, 
you know, many situations where there was a girl who I was interested in, but I was too afraid to like express my interest or I didn't really do anything. And then the girl lost interest and then she got a different boyfriend. So <laughs> what, what caused you to become that way? When I was 15, I got, I started dating at 15, my first girlfriend. Yeah. And I never, I don't ever remember being afraid to talk to girls or to meet a girl or, um, I know that I had a little nervousness there, but it wasn't great. I noticed it more when I turned 18 or so. But what caused you to be afraid of meeting girls? Do you have sisters? I do. I have seven sisters. Okay. Well, that's that's probably a big part of it. Usually guys who are not like nervous around girls who are naturally like more confident, they usually they have some sisters and that kind of gives them that. I'm an only child. I never had any sisters. Uh, we were immigrants to America. I moved here when I was seven. We moved around a lot when I was a kid. So I was always the outsider. So I think that was a big part of the reason why I kind of felt like socially isolated. Amazing. And so are you afraid of girls now? No, I'm not afraid of girls. <laughs> <laughs> are you able to be honest? I notice that most guys, especially millennial guys, are afraid to tell a woman the truth about herself. If she's like uh, a bitch, they're afraid to say, you know, you're a real bitch. Are you afraid to do that? No, not at all. I do it all the time on my show. I mean, I have many, many. I don't know how familiar you are with my podcast, but I've had many situations where a girl is just like acting like a bitch. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? So, yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not afraid at all. I don't care. What do you think about the attack upon men? I noticed that there is an attack on men and especially straight, white, conservative Christian men. Have you noticed that attack on men? Yeah, definitely. You see it a lot on like TikTok, for example. Every time I put out a video on TikTok, there's like 10 reaction videos talking about how uh, I'm a piece of shit. I'm a horrible human being. Uh, I, I made a video talking about feminism. And like, I was like, yeah, you know, like it was largely positive. But then people were still responding how like, you know, I'm a piece of shit. And, you know, I have no right to talk about this because I'm a man or because I'm white or whatever. So, yeah, I see it all the time. It's most popular on TikTok. Happens on YouTube as well. Pretty much every form of social media. So, yeah, that's been going on for the last like five, seven years, I think. And, and do you bat down when they call you names or does that make you stronger? No, I definitely don't back down. I have a, I have a habit of, uh, I, like I, when they, when they go one step for, I go like, I just keep going higher. Oh, so, nice. I just keep going escalate. so no, I never back down. Uh, I don't really care. It is a little bit unfair for playing field though, because on like videos like TikTok, if someone makes a, if a woman makes a video at me, that's like nasty. And I make a video back at her. That's like, not nasty, but maybe a little bit nasty. My video will get taken down, but hers doesn't. Yeah. So it's like, I have to keep going. I have to like make another video that's a little bit less aggressive or less aggressive until finally it lets it stick. So there's a really unfair like playing field with these, uh, with these social media platforms. But no, I generally speaking, I don't back down ever. And what do you think the cause is? Why is it that men are under such attack? Why attack, especially white straight men? Why is that attack on them? What's the, there's something behind it. What is the reason? Yeah, I think I think like I think whenever whenever kind of um, the the ball swings far in one direction, then it, it needs to overcorrect and go way too far in the other direction. So for like a long period of history and time, like like white men did have the power. So now that like things have been corrected, right? Now it's going too far in the other extreme where there's like this shame, like, oh, you're a white man. You're, you should be ashamed of just being yourself. Uh, it's like this weird overcorrectness. 
and people like really sensitive and they're just like trying, like trying to go out of their way. Now it's like not even, not even I see some black guys under attack. It's like, you have to be a gay black trans guy or something to be like the protected category. So I, I think like nowadays just being a black guy is like, you're not even in the protected category that much anymore. You have to be like gay or trans or something. So I don't know. It's like this weird social correctness, social I justice warrior shit. Yeah. As a white man, are you, and because white men are under attack in a verbal way, but they're being attacked physically as well, knocked out, robbed, and all kinds of things. I don't know if they're doing that where you are as much as they are in places like New York, California, Chicago, and places. Are you concerned about being attacked because you're a white man? No, no, nothing like that. I mean, where I live is very safe. There's no, I haven't experienced any kind of physical violence. It's mostly just online, people online talking shit. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried at all. Uh, I live in a safe area in the end. Like I, I've never had any kind of physical uh, safety issue. Um, when did you think of the so-called Me Too movement when they would call the men toxic masculinity and um, they were pushing feminism and all that crap? What do you think about when that was going on? Well, it, it, I think like, there were some cases of the Me Too movement that were justified, like Harvey Weinstein was clearly like doing some shady shit, but then other times where it was not justified. So that label was getting thrown around like too often. Like, you know, it's just like, oh, this guy, uh, whatever, tried to kiss me. I didn't want him to kiss me. That's Me Too. So they started using that label for everything, which became problematic. But I think in some cases it was justified. In some cases it wasn't. But even with Harvey Weinstein, those girls were not like innocent victims walking into a spider web. They wanted something in return from him. And so they were giving him what he want in order to get what they want from him. Why isn't that discussed about women? Because women are not innocent. They, especially these, you know, older women, uh, they they want something from you. Harvey, Harvey had a lot of money, it seems. He was famous and all that. Why don't people admit that these women want something? That's why they're getting into the situation that they're getting into. Um, well, I think with the Harvey Weinstein situation, I don't, did you hear the like the audio tapes that come out? There was like a two-minute audio tape. Did you ever listen to that one? I, I don't remember what was it about. It was like him with a girl and he was trying to get her to his apartment. Uh, and uh, it was like a, she was wearing an audio recording, basically. Uh, it was uh, I think it was recorded by the NYPD. But anyway, so like in that audio tape, yeah, he was like pretty kind of it was acting really f- weird. He didn't do anything <laughs> legal in that audio tape, but he was acting really bizarre. He was like, please, please, please come back to my place, please. I swear on my children. Like he was just like uh, he, he was acting like really weird. right? But there was nothing illegal there, per se. I don't know. I mean, I think the Harvey situation, like Harvey clearly did some things that were inappropriate. Uh, maybe in some of the cases, I mean, there was like 30 girls that came forward. Maybe in some of the cases, it was a little bit of like a trade, meaning like uh, they fucked him and he gave him a career. But I think in other of those cases, it was like he lured them into the hotel room and then he like kind of like just took it way too far. I don't know. I think Harvey Weinstein was like a special exception, but I don't know. I mean, like I would, I can't dismiss all cases of sexual assault. There's definitely some sexual assault that happens for sure. I do think some men get falsely uh, accused of sexual assault. That yeah. happens too. They're both problems. Well, I didn't hear that videotape, but it sounded like he wasn't too proud to beg. Uh, he was definitely not too proud to beg. No, he had like <laughs> zero pride at all. He had zero dignity. Yeah. So Alice, are you a Christian? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm agnostic. And what does that mean to be agnostic? 
Uh, it means that you don't know what's out there. So you're not an atheist knows that there's no God. An agnostic person doesn't know if there is a God or there's not a God or there's some kind of higher power. Or there's not a, some kind of higher power. And have you always been that way? No. Uh, when I, I had a Christian nanny when I was growing up in Russia and I was like Christian, I think for like the first, the first part of my life, I think up until I was like 13 or 14, I used to uh, read the Bible and pray and all that stuff. So I used to be Christian when I was younger, much younger. I noticed that a lot of people, once they read the Bible, they turn away from God. It doesn't really help them. What made you decide to become uh, uh, after reading the Bible or whatever, what made you decide to become an agnostic? I started to question some of the assumptions I had. Like the reason I became the reason I was Christian from a young age is just because I had a Christian nanny. That was like a pure coincidence. And I kind of just like believed like what she took as like, you know, as a law. But then like, as I got older, started to question some things. I mean, I don't know. I used to have like uh, a lot of shame around masturbation. And like, every time I would masturbate, I would sit there and I would pray and I'd be like, please forgive me, God. And then I realized that God probably has, if he does exist, he has better things to worry about than me jerking off. That's so I don't know. I think it was like something along the lines of that. I think it just, I got older and I started questioning things more. And so, and the last thing about this, I think, what is it like living without not, not, not believing that there is no God, but what is it like living without being sure that there is a God? I would say it's no different, really, substantially than living if you are religious. I mean, you're still, you know, you're living your life. You you have friendships, relationships. Um, I think there's this idea that people who don't have religion don't have, like, ethics, which is not true. You can be very ethical uh, and not be religious, right? Those two things are not really related. So, I don't know. I think it's no different than living for you, honestly. It's like you're, you're, you're hanging out with your family and friends. You're working. You're doing your hobbies. You're pursuing your passions. Everything is the same, basically, more or less. So you never even mentioned God's name when you're like lonely or feeling the emptiness. You never, you don't even mention God in those moments. I think like one time, like five, six years ago, I, I, I had a close brush with death. So I thought I was going to die. And uh, when I had that, I think I did. I was like in that moment, I was like, God, please don't let me die. But like, that was like the one time. Yeah. <laughs> What made you do it then when you don't believe, you don't know for sure? What made you call out to him at that moment? Well, because, like, let's just say there's a 10% chance he, he exists. It still doesn't hurt me for taking care. <laughs> I don't know, man. I was, it was like an act of desperation because I thought I was going to die. And I was like, oh, like, I really hope I don't die. You go, into, you go into fight or flight. So you're like, really, like, oh, please, like, don't let me die. I think I was praying to God, to the universe, to Muhammad, to anyone who would listen. <laughs> and so now that he has saved you from dying in that moment, do you, you still don't believe? Well, I don't, I don't know if he saved me from dying. I think it was like I just was too worried. I think I was having a panic attack. It was when it's kind of a long story, but I thought that I got too much oxygen, uh, too much uh, CO2 in my blood or whatever, which can happen. It's a long story. But anyway, right. so I had to go to the hospital. So I think it was just like I was incorrect about what I thought I had rather than like someone saved me. Oh, I see. You didn't leave your body or anything. No, no, no. It wasn't like that close. No, no. Oh, okay. Um, so one last thing about that, man, you're so interesting, by the way, what did you. you do? How do you deal with that void that you have? You know, the emptiness, like something is missing. You gain all the money, you gain all the wealth, uh, all the places to live, you have friends, but something still is missing. How do you deal with that? 
Well, I wouldn't say anything is missing, though. Like you have I don't feel like there is a void. That's the thing. I mean, I have my family, my friends, my relationships, my hobbies, my passion. So I don't really feel like there is a void in all honesty. So did you grow up with both parents? Uh, yeah, both my parents. Yeah. Who are you closest to, your father or your mother? Uh, probably closer to my mother, although nowadays it's probably 50-50, but I used to be closer to my mother. And why your mother and not your father? I think generally that's how it goes. Like usually boys are closer to their moms and daughters are closer to their dads. That's just like the pattern I see over and over again. Yeah. Uh, my dad was also very like strict and stuff like that when I was growing up. So we didn't really like get along too well. Uh, I used to be more of a rebel when I was younger. So yeah, I think like that caused me to gravitate closer towards my mom. But nowadays we're like, um, I have a really good relationship with both of them. Nice. So I want to ask you about the sex and dating coach. What exactly is it that you do? Um, I help men who are struggling to meet women. So it could be any number of things. Uh, Maybe they're trying to meet girls online. So I help them improve their Tinder profile. Maybe they're trying to meet girls at bars. Uh, So I evaluate how they're approaching the girls, how they're talking to girls. Maybe they're struggling when they're on a date with a girl because they're saying the wrong thing. So they're forgetting to invite the girl back to their place. Uh, maybe they're struggling when it comes to dating. Maybe their girlfriend is walking all over them. It can be really any range of issues. But typically, guys typically guys come to me to help me uh, to help them improve their Tinder profile or their texting or like that kind of stuff. Amazing. So they like they come to you, Alice. Alice, I want to meet a girl, but I'm so scared. I'm just so scared. Help me. Well, it's usually not like that. It's usually more <laughs> like, Hey, Alex, I want to meet a girl, but I'm not getting any matches on Tinder. Can you help me improve my profile? Wow. And what's that? <laughs> and the reason it's so interesting to me because when I was growing up, of course, there were no computers. Oh. There were, right. You couldn't go online. You had to do it in person or nothing, right? Right. I think that was better for us than it is for guys today because you had to face whatever insecurity you had rather than going online and hiding behind some computer. Um, so I laugh now because I noticed that, uh, uh, a lot of guys and girls are going online to meet one another, which is better to just let it happen in person or go online and set it up. I th- I kind of agree with you. I think that back then it did used to be better overall because you had to take some social risk. Yeah. Uh, you had to kind of face your fears. Nowadays, you don't have to. The thing, yeah, I agree with you that it was better back then. But the thing with technology is once technology comes out, you can't like roll the ball back. Right. So even, even if I agree with you that back then it was better, we can't like really live in that time because now all the technology is out there. So you do have to like kind of make the best of it. So I kind of agree with you, but I think like whether it doesn't even matter because the technology is already here and it's here to stay. How long have you been doing this now? Dating, uh, data coach. I, I've been doing it for six years now. Really? And is it working well for you? Meaning that are you really able to help the guys? Yeah, yeah. A lot. I have a lot of a lot of really good stories. Yeah. Uh, we just had a guy who had cerebral palsy. I made a video on this a few days ago, and he like he really can't talk at all. He's like, oh, he, he like really you guys <laughs> a severe disability, and uh, he could only have sex by paying prostitutes, right? Which he you know he didn't want to do. That can right. be very detrimental to your mental health. And so we were able to finally get him uh, like a quote unquote girlfriend or whatever girl that he's having sex with. And so that was like a really motivational story because it shows you if a guy who literally has a severe disability can get laid, then you know probably. So can you, right? So, yeah, so yeah, definitely. We've had a lot of success stories. 
Um, did you go to college for this or did it just come natural for you because of your experience? Um, I, I did go to college, but I didn't go to college for that. I went to college for something completely different. Uh, yeah, no, this was, this, I didn't learn this in college. This, this, was, this came largely from experience. Nice, man. I saw a couple of your videos on this, and um, I saw one, there's a video where you made with a wheat guy talking to a girl behind the street, the screen there, a dark door or whatever. And then there was, a, I guess, a strong guy talking to the girl. And mm-hmm. it was interesting in that um, the, the strong guy, the girl wanted the most because mm-hmm. he, he led the conversation. He didn't really cater to her as the weaker guy did. But mm-hmm. in the very end, the stronger guy decided that he wasn't ready or something. I don't remember all the detail. Where to, and so the girl went back to the weaker guy and pretended that she wanted him. But Oh, yeah, I know. what You're talking about Love is Blind Breakdown. I know which video you're talking about, yeah. What do you think about Explain that to the folks so it'll be a little <laughs> more clear. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Well, I'll, I'll explain. So, okay, this, this is from the TV show Love is Blind, which is like a popular TV show now. The premise of the TV show is they see uh, how people react when they can't see each other. So they basically get like five men, five women, they put them in these rooms, and they can't see what the other person is look like. All they can do is call each other, right? So basically, it's like love is blind. That's the premise of the TV show. And basically, what happened was there was a guy who was a little bit more alpha, dominant, confident, and the girl was talking to him, and she was really, really into him. She was also talking to the, let's just call him more beta guy. Right. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and she chose the alpha guy. But then the alpha guy decided he didn't want her, and he picked the more attractive girl. So then when the alpha guy rejected her, she went back to the beta guy. right? And, uh, and it was really funny because then they started dating, and then they had like a two-month reunion and, and where they all got all the contestants together for a party. And then the um, – the, the girl was still hitting on the alpha guy, despite the fact that she's dating the beta guy. So, yeah, it was pretty interesting to see that dynamic play out. and just kind of shows you that women are attracted to men who are alpha, who are confident, who are leaders, yeah. rather than who are weaker and who, like, bend and give in to the woman's will. It was just really interesting to see. One thing I know for sure, man, and without a doubt, women want strong men. They want men that they, that they cannot control. They want men who are not afraid to be themselves with them. They want that. They'll take a weaker man and control him or yet hate him, right? But they prefer a stronger man. And so I want to ask, once these guys, do they, they go out on dates after a while, they get to know each other. Uh, do the, do the relationship, uh, does it last or is it over after a while? Are you talking about in the TV show or are you talking about like with my clients? With your clients. Oh, it, it just depends on the situation. Yeah, some of them, they, they, they wind up, you know, yeah, like dating or getting married to their partner. Some of them, they separate. It really just depends on the situation. It can go either way. Um, what's the, this beta guy on your TV show, right? Well, it, it's not my TV show, but on the TV show, yeah. Oh, on the TV show. The beta guy, it was interesting in, to me. You know, I'm an older guy. I, I know things to be different, right? When he was, the beta guy, when he was having a conversation with the woman behind the door, it just sounded like two women talking. It just uh-huh. sounded like a man and a woman. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah, he kind of had more of like a feminine energy to him. Yeah, he was like very like overly accommodating. So yeah, that's what, that's why I kind of referred to him as the beta guy because he like had more feminine qualities. 
What causes men to be weak like that? That's a good question. I think I think there could be any number of reasons. I think that one is they're worried about offending the girl. So they're worried that like, oh, if I'm masculine, maybe like she will think I'm creepy or, uh, you know, I'm an asshole. So they're worried. They're overly worried about that. They're really worried about what the girl will think. I think two could be a lack of confidence. Three, I think they might think it's a better dating strategy. They might have heard that, you know, because uh, whenever you ask a woman, what do you like in a guy? They always say, oh, I want a nice guy or something like that. So they might actually believe that nonsense and think like, oh, I should just be really nice if I want to get the girl. There's an interesting book by um, – uh, Robert Glover called No More Mr. Nice Guy and talks about how like men put on this nice guy act as a way to get the girl that's actually like very unattractive to girls. So it's an interesting book. It breaks down this like social phenomenon. I noticed that and I've been, you know, I've been dealing with these type of things, counseling with men and women and on my show and everything for the last 32 years. And I noticed that uh, men who are afraid of women have not overcome their mothers. They grew up and they were being intimidated by their mothers and mothers overbearing or too yeah. mothery. And the father was too weak to protect the boys from the mother. So they become like what you hate. And yeah. I noticed that every woman that they get involved with is just like mama. And so they deal with the woman in the same manner that they dealt with mama growing up. They was because they fear her, resent her, they were not able to deal with her straight up. So they tiptoe around her in the same way that they become, that they become with their girlfriends or the women that they date. Is it possible it's due to not overcoming the spirit of your mother? I think it's definitely possible. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you have like a messed up relationship with your mother or a messed up relationship with your father, that can definitely manifest in your dating life. You see it with women all the time, like women who have like messed up relationships with their fathers. They want them dating like the worst kinds of guys versus yeah. women who have good relationships with their fathers. They're usually much better at picking the like a good kind of guy to date. So yeah, of course. So it would make sense that you would see the same problem with men, men who have messed up relationships with their mother. They pick, you know, messed up women. So yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah. And what I suggest to men is that they go and forgive mama so for impose her will on them and recreating them and her image. And once they forgive her, then they're because God will forgive them. Their attitude changes because now the order is there of God in Christ, Christ in man, man over woman, woman over children. So the woman is now subject to the man instead of the man being subject to the woman. Because women are looking for men to look up to, and they don't respect men that they have to look down to, uh, down at, because they don't have anyone to bring them out of the hell that they live in. Uh, I, I agree with the last part. Yeah, men definitely, women definitely respect men that they can look up to. Like, a part, part of attraction is respect. So if a girl doesn't respect you, she cannot be attracted to you. So, yeah, I, I agree with that last part for sure. So you're not afraid. Did you did you go and deal with your mother to overcome her or, or you just have developed? Well, I always, yeah, I always had a good relationship with my mother. My mother was actually very, very good mom. She never like imposed her will on me. She was very supportive and nurturing. Uh, so I never actually had to do that. I was fortunate that I always had a really good oh, relationship. Nice. Yeah. And so you're able to correct her when she's wrong and she doesn't take it personally? Yeah, my mom. My mom just wants me to be happy. She she doesn't. She never imposes her wishes on me. Like she just wants me to be happy, and she will support me no matter what I do. What is the? And, and I'm not real. I've heard this this word before. What is the manosphere? 
<laughs> the manosphere. Well, you're technically a part of it, right? Me and you. It's a, it's a community of men who I guess talk about man's topics. So I would consider what we're doing right now part like, you know, talking about men's topics. So yeah, we, technically you and I would both be a part of it. Meaning not afraid to deal with men topics. Men's Just topics. talking about men's issues. Yeah. Issues that involve men, I guess. And can you explain the red pills? <laughs> the red pill. Yeah. The red pill, it's, it's, it started with, it's like the matrix analogy. So, uh, in the, in the movie, the matrix, uh, Morpheus says you can take the blue pill and live in ignorance, right? Where you go back into living like in total ignorant bliss, or you can take the red pill, which is unpleasant, but it's the truth. So that the, 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 the term came from the movie. It was like, Oh, do you want to know the truth about women? That women maybe can be a little, uh, you know, uh, manipulative and, you know, uh, you know, not like you've heard in movies, right? That's the truth. Or do you want to live in this ignorant bliss? So that's where the term came from. How it kind of evolved. And then it became about like this set of ideological beliefs. So I don't really identify with the red pill community, but uh, I agree with some of the things they said. Nice. The attitude, what's the attitude toward manosphere from the liberals and the media? Do they appreciate that or they don't like it? Uh, they don't like it, generally speaking. They think, <laughs> they think that there's – they have a lot of weird beliefs. They think that there's racism tied into it, which there's not because there's clearly white and black content creators. They yeah. think it's about hating women or it's about hating black people. They don't really understand what it's about. They kind of misinterpret the purpose of the manosphere. That's amazing, man. And so you have no fear inwardly at all of just being straight up about this stuff and dealing with liberals, dealing with women – dealing with the whole race issue and all that crap. You just have no fear about dealing with it at all? No, I could care less. I mean, yeah, I do what I do, and I think a lot of people like what I do, so I could care less about some people who don't like me. Right on, man. I um, I want to ask you about modern online dating versus traditional Christian dating. What's okay. the difference? Well, I don't. Well, I'm, I'm assuming by Christian dating, you mean like you go to your church and like maybe you meet someone through your pastor or something like that. Yeah, they go to church and hope they hope to meet a Christian woman. And when they end up with her, they realize it wasn't a Christian woman. It was a modern day woman. They were the same way. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, I, I've never, I've never dated within the church, but yeah, I assume it's like the difference is basically, I guess, how many women you're exposed to when you go to church. Maybe you have access to like 20, 50 single women versus on the internet, you have access to like tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of women. Uh, so yeah, I think like Christian dating, you're within a very small community, right? And typically, as far as I understand, like Christian people, they like to date within their circle. Right. So it's, it's, it's rare that you're going to see like a, like a Christian guy dating like a Muslim girl or something like that. Typically they date within their community versus online. It's just like, it's really broad and general. So I guess it just depends on what you want. If you want like a Christian wife, then you're probably better off dating within the <laughs> church. If you, if you don't care about her religion, you just want, you know, a wife then you're probably better off dating like on the internet where you have more exposure. Yeah. I, I've talked to a lot of men who have dated online or they've gone to the bar and they met uh -huh. a woman thinking uh -huh. that, you know what, this is going to really work. But then it doesn't work. And so they say, you know what? I'm going to church. I'm going to find me a Christian woman. And they end up with a Christian woman. And it's the same kind of hell that they caught from the, the woman at the bar online. It's no different. Um, I guess. I mean, you have to be. I don't care. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter where you meet the girl at church. 
uh, on the bar, on the internet, you have to be very careful and selective and look for the right qualities, which I think men don't do. So I think you can have a messed up woman that you can meet at anywhere. You have to be very selective and careful. Yeah. What I wanted to ask you about concerning that is, do you know what a slut maker is? No. What, what is that? <laughs> a slut maker is a man who has sex with a lot of women or, oh. or, or out of wedlock. Okay, I guess that would be me, technically. <laughs> so you would be a slut maker? Yeah, I guess, yeah. And what is a slut? I guess a slut would be a girl who has sex with a lot of men. And so the reason I asked, because I was wondering if you, I know you teach a lot of men how to get with women so they can have sex with oh. them, right? Yeah. And so do you realize you're creating slut makers and slut maker? you creating slut makers and sluts? Uh, yeah. So the thing is, is that I don't believe there's anything wrong with people having casual sex if they, you know, if it's consensual. So I don't see it as a bad thing. I mean, technically, yes, you're right. But I don't see it as a negative. And so with casual sex, is that any different than slut making sex? Um, no. I mean, what would be the difference? You're just having <laughs> sex out of wedlock. Right? <laughs> but women... Women are not as into sex. I know more and more today, a lot of them pretend to be because they've been turned into sluts. But women are looking for like a father's love. They're not looking for a man. They prefer a man. They would take a man that's into it for sex because women are sex dealers and men are sex addicts. And so the women will deal you to sex just to control you. But women are not normally into sex the way that men is. Why teach men to be into sex rather than overcoming that fallen state so they can br be there for the woman? Because a woman is looking for a father's love to be there for a woman to help her overcome herself rather than digging a deeper hole for her. Yeah, I fundamentally disagree with you on that. I think women love sex. When you when you uh, have sex with a girl, she's the one that orgasms five times, not the guy. When you watch her porno, it's the girl screaming at the top of her lungs, not the guy. <laughs> so I actually think that uh, women like sex as much, if not more, than men. But there are societal factors why they can't really be public with that. Uh, if a girl goes online and is like, I fucked 20 guys and it was great, uh, that's going to have a lot of social repercussions versus if a guy does it, uh, he's, you know, the, generally the social repercussions will be positive. Uh, but if you're like part of these like small communities where like you know girls talk about other guys you will actually see that women love sex like women love sex probably equally if not more than men uh they just don't talk about it publicly uh would you are you married no no i'm not i have a girlfriend but i'm not married would you marry or date a woman that you know of has sex with several men with several men yeah well i mean my girlfriend's probably had sex with like six or seven guys before me i don't really care oh uh, really and you would still marry her uh, well, I'm not interested in marrying anyone, but if I was to get married, yeah, I would marry a girl who had sex with six, seven guys. Yeah, that's, that's, that's reasonable. If it was like six or seven hundred, probably not, but six or seven, yeah. Did you say that, and you, you were speaking kind of fast, so you said, did you, did you say that women um, uh, are doing their thing more than men while having sex? I do think women are having more sex than men on average, yeah, because it's a lot easier to get sex when you're a woman than when you're a man. That's amazing. Do you think that women are happy living that way? I 
think it depends on the woman. I think some women are not happy because I think they're some, it just depends on why the woman is having sex. I think some women have sex to fill a void in their yeah. life. Yeah. Like, so I do think that's, that definitely goes on. But I think some women have sex just because they like to have sex and it's fun for them. So I think it really just depends on why she's having sex. So have you talked to men who thought that having sex would make them happy or bring them peace? And they come back and say, you know what, Alex? I'm still not happy. It's still not working. Have you talked to men that they got the sex from the woman, but it didn't satisfy something else in their lives? Yeah, I think I think that can definitely happen. Um, but I think what I do is is less about like telling guys to have lots of sex and more about giving them the ability to have the sex and dating life that they want, whether that's having sex with a lot of girls or that's having a girlfriend and that's getting married. I think that just having the ability to have the kind of sex and dating life that you want does increase your happiness. Uh, but what you do with it is up to you. But yeah, I, there's been, I've heard stories of guys who have a lot of casual sex and they're unfulfilled and they're like, oh, well, you know, I want to have a family or I want to have a girlfriend or something like that, which is totally fine. But I think it's less about the, the act of having sex and more about the ability to do it. Can you give me an example? Do you do, do you counsel with women too or just men? Uh, mostly men. It's like 99% men. Oh, okay. Uh, have they, have you met men that were looking for dates and sex and all that and you felt a little sorry for them? They, they just seem to be so out of it. That you uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I've had that happen. I've, I, you know, I've had clients who are like really short, who are like five two, or maybe like they have a disability or something like that. And you're like, ooh, it's going to be hard for you. Uh, <laughs> I, had a, I actually had a client last night who's like three hundred pounds. Uh, I'm like, oh my god, you got so much weight to lose. Like, and he's like, yeah, girls don't like me. I'm like, yeah, because you're fat as fuck. So yeah, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, there are definitely clients that I feel bad for. Uh, yeah, and so a man like that, you still work with him. I, I still work with him, but it's not easy. I tell him, like, if someone's, like, really short or really fat, I tell him it's not going to be easy. So he has to go on a diet. He has to lose that weight. He has to start working out. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not going to be an easy path for him. He's going to be one of my more harder clients for sure. So is he willing to do go through all that? Uh, he says he is, but, you know, sometimes people say they are and they're not. We'll, we'll, we'll see, you know. We'll see what he does. Have you read yes. Have you ran up on guys who just kind of give up and just say to hell with it? I don't want no sex. If I had to go uh, through yeah, all this, good. yeah, there's plenty of those guys. Uh, you see them on the internet. They call uh, they're called Mukhtal, men going their own way. So there's a whole community of men who have just given up on sex. Yeah. And why do you think they give up? I think because they had a lot of failures and then they're tired of failing. Uh, so they just give up. Like, you know, like maybe you try like playing basketball a few times and you miss and you miss and you're like, oh, fuck, basketball sucks, right? Uh, so I think it's like a frustration thing. Um, could you ever be satisfied with one woman? Me personally? Um, I think so. Yeah, probably. You're not here yet. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure yet because your brain chemistry changes as you get older. So when you're younger, typically, like you want to yeah. fuck more girls. When you get older, you typically want to settle down and <laughs> pass on your DNA. So, yeah, it's just like your brain chemistry changes. I'm 32. I'm kind of going through the transition right now. So I don't know where I'm going to be when I'm like 38, 39. And so like you said that you were dating now. Does the woman know that or does this girl know, you know what, I'm not interested in marriage. I'm not necessary committed to one at this time is she aware of that already yeah 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 she's fully aware we're very honest and transparent with each other yeah so 100 percent. and she's willing to accept that yeah 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 she's happy oh uh, amazing man isn't that amazing 
What what is what is a man? What is a man? I guess someone who has a penis. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, someone who has XY chromosomes. That's what a man is. Uh, well, it depends how we define man. Are we talking about like biologically male or like what it means to be a man? Yeah, what is a man? Well, <laughs> a man, a man is someone who has the XY chromosome. But what it means to be a well, man? Well, that's a male, right? Oh, you're talking about, okay, in a more general term. Yeah, I think it's someone who has integrity, uh, who has who stands up for himself, uh, who is a leader, who's not afraid to, uh, yeah, like stand up for what he believes in, who doesn't let people push him around. Yeah, I would say that's what makes a man. And define integrity for me. Uh, define integrity. I would say integrity is basically mm, live, living within like your own values and boundaries. Like you stand, like you, you believe this and that's what you're going to stand up for. And what is a leader and how would you know one if you saw him? I think a leader is someone who, um, hmm. yeah, I think so, is someone who is like uh, making things happen. He's moving, moving uh, things forward, whether, I mean, there can be get, definitely many kind of leaders. They can be a political leader. They can be a social leader. They can be a leader in your bowling club. Uh, but I think it's someone who's like kind of in charge of the group and who's like moving things forward. I noticed in in the millennial society and and, and and younger and some of the older people too, but mostly millennial, it's hard to find a leader to see a leader, man as a leader. They tend to be followers rather than leaders. Have you noticed that? And if so, why is that? I think by default, more people are going to be followers than leaders, because if you have like 10 people and five of them are leaders, like how's that going to work out? So if you have 10 people, one can be a leader, nine are going to be followers. So I think there's a natural element to that. If you look at like the animal kingdom and lions, there's only one leader and then there's like 10 follower lions. Uh, But I also think, yeah, like the millennials, I think because they're becoming more socially isolated. I think like millennials and like, especially generation Z are becoming more like awkward because they spend all day on their phone. So they don't really know how to socialize with other people yeah. versus like my generation. Like when we were younger, we used to go outside and play and run around uh, versus generation Z is different. Like they just, they don't go outside that much. They just sit on their phones. So that makes them kind of like socially awkward and stuff like that. That's so, a good point, man. Yeah. But you're right. I think growing up that, Contact with folks, dealing with folks, and being around people uh, uh, causes you not to be so afraid to deal, to go out there and deal and be a leader. Is there a difference between an individual and a leader? An individual and a leader? Meaning well, that guess- someone who's willing, a man who's willing to be an individual, they're not going to go along with the crowd. That doesn't mean they don't have friends, they don't hang out with people, but they refuse to be a groupie. But to be an intervention, to think for themselves, do for themselves, agree and disagree, and not fall for the okie doke. Yeah, I guess there is a little difference because you can be you can be a, a leader, you can be an individual, but not be a leader. But you can't be a leader and not be an individual. So, uh, yeah, I guess like you can be an individual and you don't like go along with a group, but you also are not a leader. You just kind of keep to yourself. Versus, if you're a leader, you're by default an individual because you're moving things forward where you want to move them forward. So, yeah, I think there's a little bit of a difference. And which do you think a woman prefer, an an individual or a, a groupie? A follower. I think a woman would generally prefer someone who's individual. What is a woman? <laughs> uh, I guess it's someone who has the XX chromosome, who has a vagina. 
<laughs> that's a female. What's oh like you mean it? Okay, more generally, uh, I would say I don't know, like <laughs> someone who is feminine. Uh, who? Yeah, I would say someone who is feminine. Who do you have most respect for, a female or a woman? What's the difference? Well, a female is just a female in the fallen state. She's not become a woman. She has no self-respect. She's like a slut. Uh, it's not the kind of woman you would want to be your wife and the mother to your children. Whereas a slut, you wouldn't want a slut to be the, your wife and the mother to your children. So a woman is someone who has self-respect? Yes. Okay, so yeah, by default, I would pick the person who has self-respect, right? And why is that? Uh, I think because self-respect is like an attractive quality. We tend to gravitate towards people who self-respect. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, I think it's like pretty straightforward, right? I mean, I think that like, uh, you know, self-respect is an attractive quality, yeah. just like confidence or charisma are attractive qualities. So of course we're going to gravitate towards people who have those qualities. There's certain qualities that are universally attractive and then there's certain qualities that are universally unattractive. Yeah. I've noticed that men prefer women, uh, over, they prefer women over female, meaning that they prefer a woman who has a sense of self-respect there's a line that she draws that she will not let you cross unless you married her or, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas a slut, they don't have a line. There's no limit. And men tend not to respect that kind of woman as much. Yeah, I think that it, it, it's more of a universal thing. I think we just, someone who doesn't have any boundaries or respect, we don't respect them, whether they're man or woman. Like the same thing can be applied to like male friends. If you have a friend who's like, a pushover and has no boundaries and no self-respect, you're not going to respect him as much as a friend who does have boundaries and who does have self-respect. So I think that's more of like a universal human quality, just like we don't respect people who don't command respect. Yeah. Uh, what is love? What is love? <laughs> I guess it's, uh, I guess love is, a, <laughs> I like the general questions. I guess love is like a strong feeling of desire and infatuation and attraction, I would say. And why doesn't that last? Is that real or fake? Fake. Um, I think it can be. I think it, there's different kinds of love. There's the love that, like, for example, a child, a uh, parent has for their kid, right? And I think that kind of love lasts. Or the kind of love that you have for your family, for example. And I think that that kind of love doesn't really go away unless, like, your son becomes, like, a serial killer or something. And even then, it might not go away. <laughs> Um, but there's also different kinds of love. There's love when you meet a girl that you're attracted to, but that might be infatuation and infatuation lasts about a year according to uh, the science. So that will go away by default because infatuation doesn't last forever. So I think there's different kinds of love. Uh, some of it goes away. Some of it does not. Have you ever been in love? Um, yeah, I would say so. And can you, what's that feeling? Can you describe that feeling of being in love? Well, I would say like there's like if we're talking about like I, I love my family, so we're well, not family. Them. I mean, with a woman. 
Oh, with a woman. Okay. Yeah. It's like, well, I would say I had more infatuation rather than like true love. It was just like this feeling of like, where you're like, oh my God, like I just love being around this person. I can't get enough of them. I like when they're not around, like I think about them. It's just like, it's like a kind of like a low key obsession almost. That's I think the best way to explain it. And so infatuation and, and love is the same thing. I think they're similar. Um, but I think that they're not the same thing because infatuation goes away versus when you have like a deep, deep, like love, that's more than infatuation that can last longer basically. But you, love is not permanent. You can fall in and out of love. If it was real love, would you be falling in and out of love? Well, I think the term real love comes from like Hollywood movies. I don't think there's, it, unless, it, unless it comes to family, I don't think there's such a thing as like, quote unquote, real love. I think that, for example, you might love your wife and then you catch her cheating on you and then you don't love her anymore. <laughs> uh, or like, you know, a wife loves her husband and then her husband loses his job and becomes lazy and fat and she doesn't love him anymore. So I think that like, the term real love just comes from Hollywood. It's not really real. I think uh, feelings are, emotions are temporary and they come and go. Um, so, yeah, I think. One other quick thing about love. Have you ever been in love or infatuation? So let me just get it clear. Have you been in infatuation or you've been in love? They can get confusing. I would say I've been in infatuation probably. And at the time, did you think of, you thought it was love? Yeah. And you broke up. Did you have, have you ever broken up with a girl that you thought you were in love with? Yeah. And mm-hmm. what was that like for you? Um, it was very sad and heartbreaking. It was sad. And why was it so sad and heartbreaking? Well, because you really, really like this person. You, 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 um, you can't get enough of them. You have like a low key <laughs> addiction to that person. Did and you, then you're, you're cutting it off. Did you feel like you were losing your soul, losing your God? No, it just felt like I was like, um, like uh, missing out on something that could be potentially very, very important to me. Did you play sad music for a while? <laughs> no, I didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't play sad music or cry, but I was, I was pretty bummed out for a while. Yeah, but have you ever been so bummed out over a breakup that you would play sad music? You would sit by the dock on the bay watching the tower go by? <laughs> no, I never did that. <laughs> So I got to ask you about Roe versus Wade. When the Supreme Court decided, you know what, we shouldn't be involved with the abortion issue. We're going to give it back to the people by giving it to the states. What was your opinion about that? Um, you and I are going to disagree on this, I think. I was not a fan of the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. Um, and there's a whole bunch of reasons for this. I think um, there's macro issues why overturning Roe versus Wade is a bad idea, and I think there's micro issues. Uh, in terms of macro, um, there's a famous book called Freakonomics, and it talks about how uh, when we uh, legalized abortion in like the early 70s, that actually was directly responsible for less crime in the early 90s. Uh, so I think there's going to be some social consequences to having a whole bunch of unwanted children being born. I think on a, on the micro issue, uh, also, it's basically it's not that women are not going to get abortions anymore. They're just going to have to travel to other states to do it, which is going to create a bunch of unnecessary expenses. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, don't know, I think you and I are going to largely disagree on that. But I was not a fan of the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. Do you personally support abortion? Um, I don't think anyone, I don't think many people personally support abortion, meaning like, I don't think anyone is excited about abortion. You know, I just these women are, you see these rallies, they want to, they're going to have babies now just to kill them. 
I think the, there is a small percentage of extreme people on the internet, but I think usually for most women when they get an abortion, it's not like a super easy decision. I don't think like anyone's like, fuck yeah, I got an abortion. Maybe like some women on the internet. Should. Yeah, some women are. I've seen them in the media too. Yeah, There's this actress who, who was glad. She, she was like proud of her abortion. Yeah, that's kind of weird to me, but I think most, like I think the internet is a very small like sliver of like of like the whole picture. Um, but I think that for uh, for a lot of women, it's probably it's it's not the easiest decision. It's something they struggle with. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, what was the initial question? Sorry, do you that. personally support abortion? Oh well, I don't know how to answer that. I, I support I support people having freedom to make up their own minds. So I personally don't support lying. But I don't think lying should be legal. So I don't really support abortion, but that doesn't mean I think it should be legal, right? Those two are different things. You say you personally don't support what? I don't support lying, right? I think lying. lying is wrong. Yeah, but I don't think lying should be legal. And so you, I'm not clear yet if you personally support abortion. I don't personally support abortion, but just because I don't personally support it doesn't mean I think it should be legal. So if you got a girl pregnant, your girlfriend, for an example, and she decides, you know what, Alex, I don't want no baby. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to kill this baby. It's your baby. I know it's yours, and I'm going to kill it. And it, it's a hypothetical. I don't think I don't know if you ever dealt with that before. Huh. But would you be okay with her killing your baby in the womb? I think I would have conflicted feelings about it because, on one hand, like I would feel, you know, like whoa, like this could be a child, and this could be, you know, like in ten years I could have a really close relationship with this, you know, being. Uh, but on the other hand, I would be like, well, I'm not ready to have a child. So I think I would have very conflicted feelings about it. So which side? And, and I would like hypothetically because we don't know what we'll do until we're in the situation, right? right? But what side of you outweigh the other? Would you say, all right, I'm not ready to have no baby. Yeah, go and kill it. Or would you go with the side, the, the point of view? You know what? This is my child. I need, you know, I don't want to kill my child. Which would you most likely go with? I think it would really depend on the situation and the girl who I got pregnant. If it was a girl like my girlfriend who I know, who I care for, then I think I would probably be leaning towards, like if she gave me the option, she's like, it's up to you. You decide. I'll do what you want. I think I would be like probably leaning towards keeping it because I know my like my mom would help take care of it and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, but if it was like a random girl I met at the club, I would definitely be leaning towards like telling her to abort it. So I just think it depends on the situation. Do you believe racism exists? Do I believe racism what? Exists. Um, yeah, I think racism exists. I don't think it's as common as like uh, people make it out to be, but it definitely exists. Why do you believe it exists at all? Well, because I think there's going to be a certain percentage of people like uh, who you know don't like whatever the opposite race. I think that uh, there is, uh, you know, like why if there was no racism, there would be no KKK or something like that. I don't think it's as predominant as people think it is. I think most people are not racist. But I think there's a small percentage of people who don't like black people or Asian people or whatever. But if they don't like them, do they not like them because of their color or they don't like them because of attitude about something? They're whining and begging and blaming and you're sick of it. I think I think there's some people who legitimately don't like people because of their color. Like I know a guy, he was like uh, 
friend of a friend of a family and he would always like he just hated all black people for some reason he just, <laughs> had, he just had this like vendetta and every time he would rant and his logic wouldn't even really make sense but like yeah so i don't know i i have personally met people that i think just like legitimately don't like uh like people of certain races so yeah no i definitely think it exists I, racism doesn't exist at all it never existed and you talk and, and i grew up on a plantation in alabama Jim Crow law existed and everything, and there was no such word as racism. It was good versus evil, right versus wrong. You had people who had hatred in their hearts of all races, and they resented somebody, they blamed someone else for their failure. Uh, and then you have people who didn't have that anger in their hearts, and they didn't blame anyone for anything because they knew that people couldn't help themselves because of the uh, it's a spiritual issue, good versus evil, right versus wrong. Did you grow up in the South or when did you? Yeah, grow up? I grew up in Alabama. Sweet oh, home Alabama on a plantation. Oh, you never had anyone in your whole life who like just didn't like you because you were black? That never happened? No. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. I'm happy. <laughs> and, and most, and people that didn't like me, they had their own personal issues, but oh. they blame you on what the way they feel. And they say it's you, but it's not you. Mm. So how would you like explain like the KKK or whatever? They hated the the some of the blacks because um, originally the KKK was against the blacks for political reason. Blacks were not able to be a part of the Democratic Party, and KKK belonged to the Democratic Party, oh, and yeah. so the blacks, along with some whites, started the Republican Party, and so it was a power struggle. It wasn't about color, oh. and then later down through the years it became more about the color because the blacks so-called leadership and others were blaming the white KKK for their, the blacks problem. And it wasn't true. And so the KKK became angry about that. And then it became a color thing. Mm. But what, what do you think about like the KKK now? Like, do you think like, why do you think like people will join the KKK if it's not like hatred for black people or whatever? Because they are afraid of the blacks. The blacks are like, and not all, not all, not all, not all, but most black people are angry and mean and judgmental and out of control. And they are blaming the whites for being losers and people joining white people joining the KKK because they are looking for a false sense of support. And it's not because they hate the blacks. They're just afraid of the blacks at this point. They're afraid of being called racism because of losing their stuff and their reputation. And so they're joining forces with other colors, just like the blacks are joining with the blacks. Wow. Fear, fear can create hatred, though, right? Like, you can't really have hatred without some fear, I think. Right? Well, if you, if you didn't have the fear, if you didn't have the resentment, the anger, it would be impossible to have fear. And it, it would be impossible to hate your fellow man. It would be impossible. You would have peace within yourself if you have perfect love. Perfect love, I mean, anger brings on fear. Anger is like the children of fear. Huh. Anger, have, you ever heard of a, have you ever heard of a guy named uh, Daryl Thompson? He's like a black uh, trumpet player, and he, he dedicated his whole life to meeting uh KKK people and getting them to quit. Have you ever heard of that guy? If I have, I don't remember at this time. Very, very fascinating dude. But yeah, he has gotten like over a hundred people in the KKK to quit 
because he just like becomes friends with KKK members and then he's black. So they wound up like, oh, maybe like all this stuff I thought was wrong. So I find, I find that guy really interesting. Yeah, he should get the, the Black Panthers and the radical Black Lives Matter people to quit because they are worse than the KKK. What the blacks are doing, like Black Lives Matter and the Black Panther and other, what they are doing to the blacks is worse than slavery and is worse than what the KKK ever done to the blacks. Hmm. Amazing, huh? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that because at least like, I think like the Black Lives Matter, though, they're not like killing black people. Yes, they like, are. They are? Like murdering? They're killing the soul of black people by making them hate others. Encouraging yeah. oh. them to hate others. And what well, what does it profit a man that he gained the world but lose his soul? We are a spirit. We're not material. Mm. Yeah, but I would still make the argument that they're not physically killing black people versus like the KKK for a period of time was like actually killing black people. So I don't know. I mean, I guess it just depends on how you look at it. Yeah. Are you a conservative or a liberal? Uh, I'm like somewhere in the middle. I don't think I'm either one. I don't identify with either uh, with either group. Some things I agree with conservatives more. Some things I agree with liberals more. Amazing. I got to throw you on the hot seat. Okay. It's sure. time to heat up this interview. Okay. So I need you to answer these questions as quickly as possible. Okay. The hot seat. Do we need more white babies? Um, no. <laughs> Do you trust the vaccine? No. Um, coffee or energy drink? Coffee. Do you love the great white hope? Uh, don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to drain the swamp in Washington, D.C. The great white hope, President Trump. Oh, no, not a Trump supporter. <laughs> um, are you a team Kanye, Kanye or Kanye or team Kim? Uh, probably Kim. Wow. Do you believe in climate change? Uh, yes. Do you love white people? Yes. Uh, would you ever vote for a woman to become for a female to become president of this country? Yes. Were women made to lead or follow? Generally follow, but I think there are some female leaders. Who is more evil, Nancy Pelosi or Hillary Clinton? Oh, I would say <laughs> Hillary Clinton. Did, did uh, Big Mama Michelle Obama eat up all the ribs? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you smoke pot? Uh, yes. Uh, should a man and woman split the bill? Yes. Did the bash, does the bash shit in the woods? Uh, yes. Does the bash shit in the woods, yeah. Amazing. Thank you, man, for taking on the hot seat. And, yeah, sure. and I really appreciate you coming on. Tell the people how to get uh, find your work and your website and all the stuff you're doing. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Just go to uh, YouTube, Playing With Fire, uh, and you'll see me there. You know, playingfire.com is my website. Did you yeah, have fun? Yeah, dude. No, it was an interesting interview. I like the hot seat. I might start doing that for my own uh, podcast as well. Nice. Well, yeah. thank you, man. A, I, I enjoyed talking to you. I really did. And, yeah, uh, likewise. I'd love to have you on my show, too, if you're interested. Absolutely. Let me know. Okay, we will do. I'll shoot you guys an email. Right on. 
All right, folks, thank you for tuning in. I absolutely appreciate it. Don't forget to follow, like, ring the bell, subscribe, and check out our merch. We have amazing merch on the Fall Estate there, rebuildingaman.com slash store. Um, and uh, the Fall Estate, once again, is, is uh, on subscribestar.com. So click the link in the video description to support our work. Let me hear from you. Thank you for tuning in.